All right. You know, guys, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And I want us to meditate upon this passage. And I mentioned that we're going to be here for a little while. You know, next week I'll probably get off this subject just to go back to it later because there's, there's nothing more important than knowing the Lord. Amen. But also, for the Christian walk, that you could be strong in him amidst the things that are going on in the world. And remember, when these things were written, horrific things were going on. You know, Jesus had just been crucified not many years prior. And Paul is telling everybody to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We are called to be able to rejoice in the midst of ugly times. Right? And it's just heartbreaking that more Christians don't really understand what it means to rejoice biblically and don't have the continuing, you know, perennial, uh, present tense joy through their trials. And the key is right here before us. And I didn't want to do just one message on it because I wanted to hit it a a number of times because I don't want to leave this year and go into the rest of the year doing things where we're learning about what the Word says about certain things, but we're not able to face them in the Lord. And we're not able to rejoice through the things that we're going through. And we're not praying because it also is not just about rejoicing. It's about giving thanks. It's about not worrying. It's about praying. Amen? It's about thinking on certain things. There's a lot in this passage that's so powerful. But I have to acknowledge, I'm hung up on the very first part of the passage because to me, it's been, it was such a reality to me in the midst of the horrific trial that I just went through to rejoice in the Lord amidst being told I wasn't going to live by a, a cardiologist who was serious and he said, you, your heart won't live through COVID. And I got COVID not long after he said that. And I'm laying on my back and I was told my heart's 34% power. At the time, I found out later that it got stronger real quick. Right when I got in there, my heart was already stronger. I didn't know that at the time. But I still had AFib and that's dangerous with COVID as well. But I, want, I had the joy of the Lord still. Oh, I had some tears. Paul said, weeping yet rejoicing. How do you weep yet rejoice? It's like, how can we rejoice always? We go through some terrible things. You can. Jesus was called the man of sorrows. Yet it says in the book of Hebrews in the first couple chapters that he had joy above that of his companions. What? What's going on there? And when you understand these concepts biblically, you understand how you go through horrific things and still have joy. In all the world, you know, they run after money. They run after fame. They run after power. Politicians and actors and celebrities, rock stars, they run after it and it's so elusive to them. I have a list I've been keeping for years and years and years. Every time I see a very famous person that seems to have it all and they talk about how they're empty inside, I've given you many of those examples through the years because Jesus said, you know, huh? You know, we're not going to be happy based on the things that we have. In fact, many of the most miserable people in the world are Hollywood actors and actresses. You know, rock stars, pop stars, rap stars, celebrities, those who have power, a lot of politicians. You go on the mission field, man, you visit these churches where they're dirt poor, and there's all this joy. What is going on? They're not rejoicing the things they have. They're rejoicing in the Lord. And that's the key, you guys. Rejoice. He had to say rejoice. Like I said last couple weeks ago, that old song in the 80s that came out, you know, uh, don't worry, be happy. The song's ridiculous. You just don't worry, be happy. Well, do you have any reason to be happy? Does the world have reason to be happy? They have happies based on happenstance, what's happening. But a lot of times good things aren't happening, so then you're miserable. We have a reason to be happy. 
Because Jesus is always happening. Amen? We can rejoice in the Lord. And that's the key, guys. It's not just rejoice. It's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He commits, uh, repeats the command twice. And it is a command. It's a command to rejoice. If, and then he goes on to say, don't worry. He says, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice, right? Let your gentleness be made, made known to all people. The Lord is near. And then he says, don't be anxious for anything, but what? Pray about everything, right? With all prayers and pleading and with thanksgiving and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many want your hearts and your mind to be guarded by the Lord? Amen. And to have the joy of the Lord, you know? And I prayed earnestly over and over again that we would get this today that you really get it. You'd leave here saying, man, I know how I can have joy all the time now. And I think, you know, a lot of you get it to one degree or another. I think I get it to one degree or another, but may the Lord help us get it to a greater and greater degree. Amen? So, it's a sin to worry. To be a chronic worrier is a sin. How do I know that? Because God commands us not to worry. And he commands us to pray. So if I choose to worry and refuse to pray, I'm sinning. Right? And if, because I need to refuse to worry and choose to pray. Amen? I don't mean if you start worried about something. Oh no, I blew it. But if you start worrying, say, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm going to pray now and ask you and seek you and cry out to you. And by the way, all this entire passage and what follows as well is all tied to rejoice in the Lord. You can't rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice and then refuse to pray about everything and start worrying about everything. Because worry destroys the capacity to experience joy. If you're worrying, how can you rejoice? But if you're praying and giving thanks, you can indeed rejoice. And this world, I mean, it is just crazy right now. I mean, it's been a year of lockdowns almost, and now we're going into longer lockdowns. And, but I told you, for anybody saying, how could Paul say that? Does he realize what we're going through? Remember I reminded you that Paul is writing from a Roman prison to the Philippian church. And he's in a lockdown. Remember I said he's locked between two Praetorian guards. He's in worse circumstances than all of us. He's facing potential death. He's striving, he's got this choice between two things. I don't know which to choose, to go with the Lord or not. And then you look at certain texts and he says in that text right there that he thinks, he, he, he feels he's going to get through it. Then another text you look at Philippians, it's like, well, maybe not, you know. Uh, but he seems to think he's going to get through it and not die. But he'll die a few years later and be beheaded by Nero. By the way, Nero was so wicked. I mentioned some of the things he did, but one of the things I didn't mention, he used to have Christians sewn in animal skins. And sew them around him, had them sewn around him, and throw them to the Colosseum or Circus Circus to the lions. So they devour him, okay? And Nero is the emperor at the time. Yet Paul's in those circumstances in a lockdown far worse than the COVID lockdown, potentially facing death. And eventually he'll get out, though, and then he'll face death a few years later, and he'll be beheaded. But he's able to say rejoice. But he doesn't just say rejoice. He says rejoice in who? In the Lord. That's the key. Rejoicing in the Lord. And the world, man, it's, it's crazy. Every year, 50 to 70,000 people commit suicide. Every 60 seconds, a teenager attempts suicide. 
According to the National Institute of Mental Health, it indicates that 125,000 Americans are hospitalized with depression, depression every year. Another 200,000 are treated by psychiatrists every year. Dr. Nathan Klein, the New York's Rockland State Hospital of uh, that hospital, reports that up to 8 million cases of depression go untreated annually. The most common drug that's being used among Americans right now is a tranquilizer, uh, tranquilizers. Okay, and there are a ton of people that are addicted to re, uh, relaxants and tranquilizers and sleeping pills and Valium and nerve pills, all kinds of things. Just in, recently, it's been reported that in Japan, their suicide rate is, well, among young people, is just off the charts. And guess what? Our suicide rate among uh, teenagers in our country is higher than it's ever been. People don't have the joy of the Lord. And when you have the joy of the Lord, the Bible says in Nehemiah, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I love this verse, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? Anybody used to sing that song? The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy, you know. I don't embarrass my kids, man. One time we started singing it up here and my daughter Holly goes, Dad, that's such a weird song. I go, oh, man, when you get the joy of the Lord, it's actually kind of fun, you know. But uh, Holly has the joy of the Lord for sure, but you know. It's like a really old song, kind of like a campfire song. But we need to have the joy of the Lord. That's our strength because I mentioned in one of my messages, I won't really get into it because I mentioned it and got into it last time or two times ago, is the enemy has a hard time tempting you when you have, you're full of joy, amen? Because he, he, he's after people that want something different, that are dissatisfied in life. But I'll tell you what, Christians are to be known by our joy, now, Jesus said they'll know you because of your love for one another, amen? But love and joy go together. The fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, joy, right? And, uh, and on and on. And Christians, I mean, praise God, and we hear it all the time. People come visit our fellowship, and I'm, I'm sure it's drawn a number of people through the years, and they say, wow, everybody's so happy, you know? Doesn't mean we don't go through trials like everybody else, but we have the joy of the Lord, Amen? It doesn't mean you won't go through a trial where you have severe sadness because of something that goes on in your life. That's going to happen from time to time. But you can, in the midst of that, as Paul said, weeping, he said, but rejoicing. Jesus, man of sorrows, he wept. One of the shortest verses in the Bible. Somebody's saying, and that hasn't seen my message a couple weeks ago, is saying, you mean the shortest verse? No, one of them. It's the second shortest because we get in the Greek. In the Greek, it's the second shortest. But anyway, man of sorrows, yet he has joy, as I mentioned earlier, above his companions. How? Because of his relationship with the Father. Because of who he is. And then when you rejoice in him, you get to share in that joy. But the key to experiencing this joy is in the Lord, as I mentioned. I read a story about a, a gal. She was driving through the countryside. She's a little girl. She's just in the back seat. And, and they pull over. They see this donkey on the side, of, or mule. You know, the mules, that sad, you know. Who's that famous mule? Eeyore? Just, you know. And she sees this mule. It wasn't Eeyore, I don't think. But she sees this mule, and she's like, you know, wow, you know. And, uh, and she says to her parents, that mule must be a Christian. It looks just like Grandpa, you know. And sadly, the reputation many Christians have given Christianity is that we're supposed to be like downcast and gloomy the end is coming. No, Jesus says when you see these things pretending or showing that the end's coming, rejoice, right? Lift up your heads because your redemption is getting closer, amen? 
He doesn't want us to be sad and gloomy. Oh, there's times where we be sad like everybody else, like I said. But we have an inner joy that the world can't touch, the world can't have, because they don't have the hope of heaven, because they don't have the hope of eternity. They don't have the joy and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They don't understand that God works everything together for the good, even the bad circumstances we go through. Remember Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Everybody loves Romans 8.28. I love it. It's one of my favorite verses. But I love Romans 8.18 before it because that's the context where Paul says, I consider that these present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Why? Because all creation is groaning. God's going to deliver us and there will be the manifestations of children of God will be resurrected. And he goes on to say after that, we know that God works all things together for the good for those who love him and are the call according to his purpose. And when you have that perspective, it doesn't matter what comes into your life, you know God is working for the good if you're loving him, amen? So we have this invincible joy in the Lord. It's in the Lord, not in us. In the Lord, then we get to experience it. And that's so key. So it's important and it's critical that you understand. And I understand the key to this joy is in the Lord, is in in the Lord. And it's interesting because he says to rejoice in the Lord how often? Wow, that was really good. That's the most I heard everybody quote part of a verse ever. I know it's just one word, but that's still good. You know? Always. You know what the word always means in the Greek? Who said that? Always. Very good. <laughs> it means always, continuous, continuously. Continue to rejoice all the time. Doesn't say rejoice once in a while. Don't rejoice when you're in good circumstances. Rejoice at all times. Now you remember, I mentioned to you in the first study we had on rejoice in the Lord that that joy is given to us and shared with us by Jesus as we are the vines that are that are abiding in the branch. Amen. I'm the branch. I'm, I'm sorry. In the we are the branches that abide in the vine. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Amen. Now go to John, that's in John 15. I want you to go to John 16 now, not John 15. But as you're going to John 16, I'll remind you of what Jesus said to them in, verse, in chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. But go to chapter 16. You can go to 10 and 11 if you're already there, of 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy be, may, may be made full. I love that because he doesn't just want us to have joy. He wants us to have his joy. And he doesn't want us just to have his joy. He wants our joy to be complete, full. He wants to be full of joy. I love that. Do you want to be full of joy? Then you need to stop worrying and thinking right now and thinking about your life and, oh, what's going to happen here and what am I going to have for lunch later and how am I going to pay the bills over there? You need to start thinking about the Lord. You start focusing on Jesus more. You start glorifying him more. You start praising him more. You start being more thankful to him, Amen. Okay, so now it's interesting. You know, Jesus said the thief comes to still kill and destroy, John 10, 10, right? But I've come that you might have life and you might have a what? More abundantly. He wants us to have abundant life. Now in John 16, it's quite interesting. John 16, verses one and two. He goes on to talk to them about persecution. Now, of course, when Paul says rejoice in the Lord, Jesus talked about being in him, right? That's the branches, us being in Jesus, the vine. And that's where we get our joy. That's the key. It's not really complicated. It's not a, a, like a mathematical formula that, wow, I wish we could figure it out. It's a matter of quit being stubborn and quit being locked into your old ways and just start to choose to rejoice. The name of the series is Making the Choice to Rejoice. It's not really, really complicated. 
It's, you know what? Next time, I, whatever I'm going through at all times right now, when I'm driving home, when I'm getting lunch later, if you're getting lunch or whether you're fasting, whatever I'm going through or if I get horrific news, you know what? I'll shed tears. In fact, I'll shed tears more than a lot of people because I really care about this person because I love them so much because I got the love of Christ. But guess what? You're also gonna have more joy than the average person. Why? Because you have the joy of the Lord. You're gonna say, you know what? The Lord's in control. He's on the throne. He's good. And he's gonna work this for good in my life. Amen? Now, in John chapter 16, now this is the same narrative, you know, right? Just not long before Jesus is arrested. And this is what blows me away. Paul writes the Philippians, the Colossians, the Ephesians about, he mentions being thankful in all those epistles that are all written from the same prison. And what blows me away is when Jesus talks about joy the most and uses the word joy the most, guess what? It's just before his crucifixion. Are you guys getting this? You get it? They're facing the most horrific type of circumstances, yet they have this incredible joy and they want others to know it. God's not partial. He loves us all. He wants, well, that person can get joy. They can get it. I can't get it. God just, no. God so loved the world, amen. Jesus tasted death for everyone. Amen. He wants you to experience his joy. John 16, 1 and 2. This is right after John 15, right after verses 10 and 11, which I read where he wants to give you his joy. As you abide in him and you obey him, he wants to make your joy complete. And he starts talking about persecution. In fact, even before this, in chapter 5, verse 18, if the world hates you, or chapter 15, go to verse, back to verse 18, I just thought of this verse. But if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you're of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, world, uh, because of this the world hates you. Right? Remember the word, Jesus said, that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they also would keep yours also. What's going on there? The world's going to hate you because you value the creator that made you. Because you value life. You care about the baby in the womb. You feel a little hated? You feel like the world's going to hate on you more this next, uh, during the Biden administration? Do you see all the rhetoric do you see the censoring with the big tech companies, with Apple and Google and Twitter, you know? Because of what some messed up people did by violently going into the uh, Capitol building. They're blaming everybody, you know? The 74 million people that voted for Trump must all be evil, you know? I didn't vote for the guy, but I'd be in the group of conservatives, Right? And I thought, wow, they're blaming every, a lot of, most of these people just didn't want to be taxed to death. Most of these people that voted for him, or many of them, are tired of babies being obliterated in the womb. A lot of these people are pro-Israel as a nation, right? A lot of these people want traditional moral values, but that's why you're hated upon. That's, it's just an excuse to hate upon you, and it's getting uglier. Well, it was ugly. Jesus got crucified, Amen. The early Christians, almost every one of them was martyred, yet they had the joy of the Lord. So don't be despairing at all the chaos that's going around right now. Sickness, politics, and everything else. Oh, be aware of what's going on, but choose to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Because if you get caught up just watching the news and all the circumstances, everything that's going on, you're just going to be deflated. You're going to be miserable. Armand, you got a big smile back there on your face. I think that's because what you did, you took a hiatus from watching the news for a while, huh? Is that why you were smiling? smiling. You're always smiling. Rejoicing in who? 
in, in the Lord. Amen. Did that occur to you, though? Amen. Did that occur to you, though? Were you thinking about your hiatus from the news? Uh, a little bit. Okay, good. <laughs> Somebody just told me that about you. I thought, oh, that's cool. Sometimes, man, I love my wife. I've got one of the most awesome wives you possibly have. No, I, I say that sincerely from the heart. I love her so much. But, and, I, and I used to say, she'd be shocked that things are going on. I go, you need to watch a little bit of news. And I feel like I got her addicted to cocaine or something. Because now she's, and I'm like, not now. And she's got a really, a lot better balance now. But she always, and, I, and she'd get frustrated. Why can't we do something about it? Why? <laughs> I go, we can only do so much. I go, we got to be involved in the bigger program, which is reaching souls for Christ, but also being salt and light in this world and speaking prophetically to the state, voting when you can. All those things are important too. But we don't, we're not kingdom dominionists. We're going to take over the world for Jesus. And she definitely isn't, you know. But, uh, but she spends time in the word. You know, I love it. I turn the corner. She's at the table or she's in the backyard and she's reading the word. She's praying. Blesses my heart. Because she knows that that's where her source of joy ultimately is. Amen. So you get that balance where you know what's going on, but you know what's ultimately going on. And I always say to her, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The king's coming, he's gonna set things right. The king's this will become the kingdom of Christ, you know. That's, he's gotta be our main focus, amen. But, so there's persecution coming, and then chapter 16, look at verses one and two. Same narrative, Jesus is still speaking, just like we started with the vine, he actually started in 14, saying the Father would give us the Holy Spirit. He gets back into that in 16. So we have the indwelling of God's presence within us, the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, or verse one of chapter 16. These things I've spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. He's warning us about not falling away, not being like the branch that doesn't abide, is thrown in the fire and burn. He warns us these things and that we'll be persecuted, chapter 15, and that he wants to bear much fruit and that he's going to give us joy. And he wants us to understand this so we don't fall. Scandalizo is a Greek word. It's a word we get scandal from. So we don't fall away, verse 1. That's why he tells us things ahead of time. That's what breaks my heart because people that aren't given these warnings they're far more likely to fall away because he says these things so we won't fall away. Verse two, they will make you what? Outcast from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. Wow. And you know that'll happen during the time of the Antichrist because the Antichrist will sit up in the temple of God, sit in the temple of God, show himself that he is God. People will be deluded. Oh, he's God. This man is God. The Antichrist, they'll be killing Christians. But guess what? We're called to still have joy. Look at verses 20 through 22. Same chapter, a little bit later. Jesus is still talking. And look what he says. Hard times are going to come, he tells us, you know. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve and your, your grief will be turned into joy. Wow. When he's crucified, he's going to be leaving them. And they're going to be grieving, but their grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come, says Jesus. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because the joy that the child has, been, that, that the, joy, the child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too, he says, you have grief now, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. So yeah, you're gonna go through tough circumstances, but you know what? Keep your eye on the joy. And then when you keep your eye on the joy to come, you can have joy now because the presence of the Lord with you. It says Jesus endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. The cross and what he went through is more brutal than anything anybody went through, but he was still able to know the joy that he would have with the Father as he endured it. And even in his lifetime, it says, his, that's what, it's talking about his lifetime when he had joy above his companions. Wow. So I love this. So Jesus wants us to have joy, and it's amazing because 
He says, no one will be able to take away your joy. Now go to John 16, 33, the last verse of the chapter. The last thing he says in this three chapters of Jesus just giving his last really big message. Verse 33, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have what? Peace. In the world you have tribulation, phlipsis. But take courage, I have what? Overcome the world. Be of good cheer. world's going to be rad. It's going to be terrible. And guys, it can be terrible this year. We don't know exactly what's going to happen this year. But guess what? We can be of good cheer because Jesus is on the throne. We rejoice in Jesus. And guess what? He's overcome the world. Amen? He's overcome the world. Now, I want to tell you another huge key to rejoicing. You don't want to miss this key. And by the way, you're going to have to apply this to your life. Just like you need to choose to rejoice and refuse, and you need to choose to pray about everything and refuse to worry. You need to choose to rejoice in the Lord. You need to choose to do it always. You need to choose. These are things you need to apply to your lives. You need to choose to pray about everything. You need to refuse to worry about anything. Okay? But there's another huge key. This key is indispensable. If you really want to Experience the joy of the Lord in its fullness and be able to experience always, even in terrible circumstances. And I, I prayed and that this would just really connect with you because I found this to be a very, very important key. Now, in uh, Philippians 4.4, when Paul says rejoice in the Lord, always and again I say rejoice. He mentions gentleness and then he mentions, you know, uh, that the Lord is near, things like that. Then he says What? Don't worry about anything, right? But pray about what? Everything or all things. Then he says, with prayers and pleading, and we'll get into the meaning of those are actually two different Greek words when we get there. Prayers and pleading. Then he says something very important. With thanksgiving. Now Paul is in prison between two guards. And he says, with thanksgiving. Then in other words, Paul was being thankful in the midst of his lockdown. In his worse than COVID lockdown, worse than what COVID is for most people, lockdown. With Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a huge key. Now, when I was in my trial, and I've had four or five trials that I can think of that were horrific, and it was up there in those top five, because I was literally told <laughs> I wouldn't survive. And I wasn't allowed to see anybody. Nobody was allowed to come see me. I couldn't see my family, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, might, I might have mentioned the message, but I told Lisa, I go, I go, wow, we were praying for people that were all alone in prison, or in prison, in the hospital, feel like a prison, dying in the prison, right? A lot of these people do die. We were praying for them, feeling bad that they weren't able to see anybody and see their loved ones. And I'm like, wow, that's me now, you know? And I'm not supposed to get out of here according to my cardiologist, so I was like, the one in Santa Barbara. So I was like, you know what, Lord, I don't know what. I felt he may have told me that I was going to survive. I told my wife that, but it was subjective. It was through a prayer. And, and, uh, but there's some really radical, amazing things that happened there. One specifically that I want to share with you another time through another message that I almost have done. But uh, Lord gave me a lot of time to work on messages. But one thing I was able to do by his grace was just pray a lot and cry out to him, but also give thanks. Meditate. This was one of the passages I meditated upon. 
That's why I'm speaking out of it into this, regarding this message so much because it's such a key and I realize, wow, so many people are facing circumstances. But in my time in prayer, I made sure to give thanks to him. And you might say there wasn't a lot to be thankful for, you know. I couldn't see my family and friends, brothers and sisters. I told them I'm going to die. My heart's supposed to be at 34%. I'm like, my life's ebbing away supposedly. But you know what? There was so much to be thankful for because I could rejoice in the Lord. I could rejoice that he saved me. I thought about what he saved me from. I thought about I should be in the lake of fire, but by his grace, look what he did for me on the cross, right? The scriptures say he became poor so we could become rich, amen? The scriptures say that he was condemned so we could be saved, amen? So I was able to rejoice in him. Like Jesus said, don't rejoice that you have power over the demons, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven, amen? So I was able to rejoice, but you know what? I didn't just rejoice in those truths, Amidst, and I, have, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't say I was in a the brain fog, you know. I was talking to Susie recently, and she was so gracious to bring us over some soup recently. And that was very good soup, by the way, you know. Yeah, a really, really good chicken soup. If you want chicken soup, just get in line. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was really good. And thank you for everybody that blessed us. And you guys are just so gracious, you know. But it was interesting because uh, I just was able to just give thanks. And, I, and you know what? Thanksgiving is connected to song. And you don't feel, you know, you don't feel strength to even sing. But I was able to sing under my breath and sometimes a little bit louder. But the Bible says making melody in your heart. I really appreciated that verse more than ever. Because I was like, Lord, I'm so wiped out, but I can make melody in my heart. And I just give thanks. The song I probably sang the most was an old song. I don't know if we've ever done it here. Uh, thy loving kindness, right, is better than life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee, thus will I bless thee. Lisa, you know that song. Thy loving kindness. Lisa, Lisa fall. she's going like this, and she knows a lot of those old good songs. Tony, where are you? We've got to do that song. Thy loving kindness is better than life, and that's what the scriptures say. I love the scriptures that are courses right from the word. I love the hymns and stuff, but man, I love the scriptures that are turned into songs. Thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee, thus will I bless thee, Right? And just blessing the name of the Lord. And I tell you what, in the midst of my despair, I was lifted up by keeping my focus on Jesus. In the midst of tears at times, I had joy. Weeping yet rejoicing. And I wasn't weeping all the time, but there were times where I'm praying for you guys, I'm praying for my family, and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to go away and not be able to have an impact on their lives unless it's totally your will, you know. And I knew whatever's going to happen is going to be his will because I was committed to whatever his will was. And I prayed like Hezekiah who asked for 15 years. I think I mentioned that. So Lord, give me more than 15 years though. But I'll tell you what, you could do it. I was there. And I was able to just put into practice. Well, guess what? Paul is putting, Paul is putting into practice what he's saying here. But there's something very, very, very interesting. You remember a couple weeks ago when we were studying the word rejoice. Do you guys remember what the word rejoice is in Greek? Ooh, say it out loud. Kara, very good. And probably because it's an alpha, the Greek alpha, beta, you know, in the Greek alphabet, that we, in the Koine Greek, we pronounce it ah, you know, so it's kara. I always say charis, because charis just sounds so pretty. Instead of charis, charis sounds good too. If you name your kid charis or charis, which is Greek, you can call her charis. Water, water, tomato, tomato. But kara, K-H-A-R-A. Kara is connected to the Greek word. It's related to the Greek word. Charis. Charis. 
which is the word grace. Amen? It's the word grace. And I was telling you a couple weeks ago that the word rejoice is car and it's connected to that word and we are able to rejoice because of his grace. Amen? Rejoice in the Lord, what he's done for you. Well, what has he done for me lately? He did the most important thing for you. He died on the cross. He's interceding for you, praying for you right now. And whatever you're going through, he's allowing it because he's making you more like Jesus. And he's going to bless you beyond what you can even imagine. You have to trust him. You have to get to the point where you're saying, Lord, I can't understand why I'm going through this. And you need to look to him and rejoice in him because whatever he's done for you, right, on the cross to save you, and went through on the cross to get you, suffered more than any man, amen? And he would have done that just for you. I'm convinced he would have done it just for you. You know why I know that? Because in Luke chapter 15, Jesus talks about himself in the, as in the picture of the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go after who? The one. That's why I'm convinced he would have just died for you if you were the only person on the planet. And if he did that, how could you begrudge him because of something he hasn't given you yet? Amen? Because you have all eternity with him and you are joint heir with Christ for all eternity, amen? Amen. So we should be rejoicing in that reality. It transcends anything you can't get here or whatever prayer you feel isn't being answered. The fact that you have salvation transcends everything. And you need to put your focus on him and not your circumstances and rejoice in the Lord. And again, as Paul says, always, and again, I say rejoice. Now this is the very, very, very interesting thing. This Greek word that's for thanksgiving that you find sometimes in the New Testament, you find it in some of the prison epistles like Ephesians 5.20. After Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, because that's the wrong way. You don't get true joy that way. This gives you a hangover and hurts your physical body and ruins your relationship with God because drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives you joy. Then he says to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs and so forth. Praises, thanksgiving. Then in verse 20 of chapter 5, Paul says something just great. He says this. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse 20, he uses this beautiful word. He says to always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. There that word, there's the word always again. Giving thanks to the Father, right? In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in his, that's a prison epistle. He wrote Ephesians from prison too. So I'm not being thanksgiving, having thanksgiving again. And then in Colossians chapter one, verse three, listen to this. Colossians one, three, guess what? Another prison epistle like Philippians and Ephesians. Paul says, we give thanks to you or to God. I'm sorry, we give thanks to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Notice his prayers are accompanied with what? Thanksgiving. And often rejoicing. You know what the word thanks is right there in the Greek? In 520 of Ephesians and Colossians 1 3. You, charis steo. Okay? I said it slow. You, charis steo. To pronounce you, you, charis steo. Okay? Now it's interesting. This Greek word is the Greek word for thanksgiving, okay? Eucharisteo. Eucharisteo. Do you hear a word in the middle of that word? Eucharisteo. Charis is what? Grace. 
Are you with me? Just as you're rejoicing is kara, connected to charis, the word for grace. By gra- What's so big about that? Because it's by grace, Paul says, that we're saved. Charis, and that out of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's a gift, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not, not of works. Something we have to earn because we never could, lest anyone should boast. And Paul's the one who said in Romans chapter 5 that very rarely will someone die for a righteous man, but some might dare to die for a righteous man. But while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Even the death on the cross, Philippians 2, right? So he dies this incredibly radical death, right? So you could be saved. By his grace, you're saved. And therefore, you're able to kara. You're able to rejoice because of that grace, Always because you're saved by grace and that transcends any circumstance you go through. Amen? That means any circumstance you go through, no matter how hellish, no matter how horrific, even death, neither death nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth, right? Neither angels, neither demons, nor the other created thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you're able to rejoice in your salvation. But guess what? He said, to, ha- to be able to rejoice always, you need to be in what? Not worrying about everything. But praying about everything with pleading and not just prayers and with what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Eucharisteo. With thanksgiving. In other words, thanksgiving means you give thanks for his grace. And you have good grace back to him in thanksgiving because of what he's done for you. Amen? So what happens in the midst of a horrible trial that you're going through? In the midst, it's so painful, but you know, you say, Lord, but I'm thankful that you work all things for the good for for those who love you. I thank you that you sent your son to die for me. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I thank you that my name is written in heaven. I thank you for my salvation. I praise you. Guess what? In the midst of that, you're able to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? And you're not going to just be in a state of constant depression because you're, unless you just do that a little bit. I gave him thanks. To the degree that you give thanks to the Lord, and you rejoice, to the degree that you give thanks to the Lord, earnestly from your heart, it's the degree that you'll be able to rejoice in the Lord. To the degree that you do not give thanks to the Lord, even if you're praying, is related largely to the degree that you will not have the joy of the Lord. Because giving thanks is connected to grace and being thankful for his grace. I'll tell you what, man. I just, that Greek word, I just, I just love these Greek words and and, and the New Testament, when, I say, when we talk about Greek words, it's the New Testament was written in Greek, amen? So you get a better understanding of what's going on there. So if you're in the New Testament times, you're seeing these words. You're seeing the word charis in the midst of you, charis, steo. You see it staring at you. When you see rejoice, you see kara, right? When you see God's grace, you see charis. You see they're all connected. And our English doesn't really communicate it that well. So it's good to take some time out sometimes and, and look at these things. But I'll tell you what, the word, it's a compound word, Okay, eucharisteo, eucharisteo. The U, E-U, means good, okay? And the charis means grace. Grace is the root word of that word, but so it means good grace, and it's to acknowledge how good God's grace is. When you give thanks, you're giving good thanks back, acknowledging how good his grace is in the context of biblical thanksgiving amen how good his salvation is and it's so important and that means you can rejoice even in your sufferings that's why paul could write from the philippian prison when he's suffering but even if i am being poured out like a drink offering if even if i'm going to die okay because he's like torn right 
on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Still rejoicing. Amen. Colossians 1.24 is other prison epistle. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Why? How could you rejoice in suffering for someone else? Because he sees the bigger picture. He loves them. He's been saved by God's grace. He's rejoicing in the Lord, knowing what God's doing. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, he says, And you became imitators of us and the Lord when you welcomed the message with the joy of the Holy Spirit in spite of your great suffering. I'm bringing up verses now that have to do with having great joy in the midst of great suffering. The key right there is joy. It says joy of the Holy Spirit. As we rejoice the Lord and we submit to him, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. As we give thanks, we sing spiritual songs that are, that are encouraged and inspired by us to sing by the Holy Spirit as he prompts us to sing. You ever go through something and you all of a sudden you're singing a song you haven't sang for two, three years, you know? And that usually happens to me after a really good time of prayer. I can't tell you how many times I'll get up from prayer I'll, I'll, I'll send, I'll be, and all of a sudden I'm singing a song that I love you know, when I sing off and on in my car or wherever. But I do tell you right now, I can't tell you how many songs that I haven't sang for a couple years or many years, all of a sudden they just come to me after I've been praying and seeking the Lord. And that's how the Holy Spirit often works. And it's interesting, Psalm 511, but rejoice all you who, who take refuge, listen to this, but rejoice all you who take ref refuge in you because you rejoice in the Lord. Sing for joy forever. And, and he says, and, my, and may, your shelter, may you shelter them that those who love your name may rejoice in you. That's the key, rejoicing in him. I love uh, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which perishes through the testing of, by fire, may be found a result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. A couple verses, two verses after that, verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible. Woo, wow. Joy inexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your salvation, the salvation of your souls. So you rejoice in Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And when you rejoice in Christ, you he is the eternal life. You rejoice in your salvation in him, who he is, all he is to you. He is your life. Amen. Psalm 13, 5 says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. That's the key. Start rejoicing your salvation. Realize it's far bigger than anything you go through. It's far more important. You will not be in heaven thinking, why did this happen on earth? You know, why wasn't that person nicer to me? You know, why couldn't I get that job? How come this happened this way? You'll just be for eternity. And know that and live your life like that and say, you know what? I know God's good. I know he doesn't say oops. I know he doesn't make a mistake. I'm just going to trust him. Amen. Psalm 35, 9. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord. Catch that? Rejoice in who? That's the key. In the Lord. Rejoicing in his salvation. I love that, man. Now, rejoice that you've been adopted into God's family as a child of God. It says in John 1.12, as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Amen. In 1 John 3, 1, I love this verse. It says, oh, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the children of God. Oh, what manner of love and grace is this, that Joe Schimmel, you know, if you knew my past when I was young, that I should be called a child of God. I know some of you from your past. Ooh, yeah, that's grace, man. 
Amen. God's a good God. You know, don't fidget. Don't shake your head. No, I'll call you out. Just kidding, man. We rejoice in our past because our sins are forgiven. We rejoice in our presence, in, in the present, because he's an ever-present help in time of need. Amen. We rejoice in the future because he's preparing a place for us. Amen. And he'll come and receive us unto himself. Amen. As it's written in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, you know, eye has not seen and ear has not heard what the Lord's prepared for those who love him. Amen. So we get excited about that. Mary, in the Magnificat, it's called, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You see, when you rejoice in the Lord, you're rejoicing in the Savior. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with the joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Wow. Forevermore, as it says in the King James. Isaiah 12.3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I love Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoicing today, man. Amen. Well, that's easy. You're in Southern California. It's blue skies. It's like 70 degrees out there. It's so beautiful. No, we don't rejoice in what the day looks like. Rejoice in the day because of who made it and who's with us and who's using it to his glory. Amen. We rejoice in Jesus. By the way, it must be really nice to have some snow sometimes. Right, guys? Rejoice in God's love. God is love. 1 John 4, 8, 1 John 4 16, right? John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world. Rejoice in his love. For you, you're part of that world system that he gave his only begotten son, sacrificed, that whoever believed him should not perish but have eternal life. And then John 3, 17, right? He didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be what? Saved. What a beautiful truth, a beautiful. Now, I love that Paul says, I love it that he says, he commands us. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. Maybe you guys might try rejoicing. No, it's a command. Rejoice. How often? Always. Always. All the time. You mean I could actually be happy and rejoice all the time? Yeah, if you're doing it in the Lord. Because the Lord never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. There's no shadow of turning with him. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights from the Father above. Perfect. What perfect gifts? Love, peace, joy, fruit of the Spirit. Things the world longs for but they can't have because they refuse to submit to him. The loving father. Why would you forget, uh, refuse to submit to the one who made everything, the one who gave his son for you, the one who is going to judge us, and the one who wants to bless us? Amen. We rejoice in him always. Now, I love what Paul said because after he goes through those first four through eight, those verses, right? In verse eight, that's when he says whatever is true and so forth. He goes through, think upon these things. And then in verse nine, he says, follow my example. What you've seen in me, emulate. Hmm. I'd love to get into these other verses. But it's interesting because right after he says the follower's example, he gives us his example. Verse 9, he says, These things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me while he's in prison, rejoicing, telling us to rejoice. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You want the God of peace with you? Practice these things. But I, and then, you know, it's interesting. He says, Not that I speak from want in verse 11, for I have learned, remember this, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. He's in prison between two guards, was potentially facing death till God revealed to him he's gonna get him out. He practiced what he preached. I'm content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. 
and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Yes, you could go hungry, okay? All of a sudden, you could find out that there's great persecution against the church in this country. And you could be like a Chinese church, a cell church, meeting privately, and as a pastor being hunted down, or as congregants of that church, you could be hunted down because you're still meeting and you could still be going hungry, but Paul went hungry at times. Paul talks about that. And guess what? You could still rejoice in any circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do what? All things through him who strengthens me. Amen? The key is, again, I can do all things through who? Him who strengthens me. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen? That's the key, is being Christ-focused. Brothers and sisters, is Jesus first in your life? Is he the one that you're focused upon? Is he the one that you're seeking? Is he the one that you're living for? Because you're not going to have the joy of the Lord if he's second, third, or fourth. He doesn't take second, third, or fourth. He said, he that's not with me is against me. He said, you can't eat the table, the demons, and the table of the Lord. Amen? He said, you can't serve both God and mammon. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you love the one and hate the other. You have to put Jesus first. Any circumstance, man. Habakkuk. I don't have time to go through his his background here, but listen to what Habakkuk wrote. Really hard times are going on in chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and fields yield no food. Now keep in mind, these talk to farmers. That's like saying, though there's nothing in the refrigerator, there's no canned food in the garage, you know, the power has been put out, you know. Though the flock may be cut off from the Lord uh, from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I love that. Even if everything, I don't have anything physically, no food. I love food. <laughs> Even though I lost thirty pounds, I still love food. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will I will joy in the God of. Why do you guys all laugh so much, man? I'm a lot thinner now. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will, I will joy in the God of my salvation. See the salvation in the Lord and rejoice in him. It's all connected, right? The Lord God is my strength. Remember the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on, <laughs> on the high hills. Wow. I love that. I like to hunt once in a while. And deers have radical feet, man. <laughs> They're gone. The joy of the Lord is our strength, man. And outwardly, man, you can be struggling, but inwardly, man, you can be jumping like a deer. Right? And that's the beautiful beauty about it. But you know, there's joy killers. They were trying to, Satan was trying to kill Paul's joy. Satan tried to kill Job's joy. Remember that? He was hunting him down. He's trying to make him despair and deny God, you know? And some and there's joy killers that'll come in your life. How can you be happy? Don't you realize how bad this is? I'm heartbroken, but I'm happy in another way because I'm rejoicing the Lord. I read a, you know, no, I actually, I kind of changed the story up, but uh, I read about an Italian man who went to the barber and he was going to go to Italy. He'd been saving up for years to go to Italy. He wanted to see the Pope. He's all excited. going to go see the Pope and he had his barber and his barber was a joy killer, man. He's a pessimist. Everything was just negative. He's getting a haircut. This barber's like cut his hair and he's like, so what's you up to? He goes, oh, I finally got my money up. I'm going to go to Italy pretty soon. I'm going to go in a couple weeks. He goes, Italy? Why do you want to go to Italy? He goes, I want to see the Pope. He goes, oh. He goes, what airline are you flying? Italia Airline. Italia Airline. That's such a terrible airline. They stink. Their service stinks. 
you know? Where you stand when you get there? The Hilton. The Hilton, they have such bad service in Italy. Why would you go to the Hilton, you know? Well, I said I'm going to talk to the Pope. The Pope, he's not going to want to hear a word you say. Why would he want some nobody like you? He only talks to somebody's, you know? It's like, oh, and then he goes, and he goes to Italy, comes back, he gets a haircut six weeks later, getting the haircut again, same barber. How was your trip? Well, uh, how was your flight? It's the best flight I ever had. The stewardess was super nice. The captain was nice. And no turbulence was great. Well, how about that Hilton? How was that? It was great, you know. It was great service. I'm going to go back there if I ever go back to Italy. It was great. Best hotel I ever stayed at. You're right about the Pope. Did he talk to you? Well, I tried to share with him. And I told him, you don't need purgatory. You don't need Mary. You need to be born again, Pope. What happened? Well, he started pushing my head down, trying to get me to kiss his ring. I kind of wiggled away. And yeah, and then what did he say? Did he even say a word to you? He only said one thing. What did he say? He goes, son, where did you get such a terrible haircut? You know? <laughs> so you think kind of come back on you if you're a killjoy. But I'll tell you what. We don't want, we want to be killjoy. We want to encourage our brothers and sisters when they're going through trials to focus on the Lord. Amen? And that's how we edify each other. That's how we build each other up. We get our brothers and sisters going through things. That doesn't mean you ignore what's going on. You weep with those who weep. I've shared many tears with people during counseling because you feel for them what they're going through. But you also keep the focus on the Lord, amen? And let them know that this too will pass, amen? And the Lord is here with us always and forevermore, you know? So it's very, very important that we get this and that we understand this. Now, that means we can rejoice in bad times. I mean, think, can you think of somebody who was pretty good at rejoicing in bad times? At least at the beginning of his trial? <laughs> Job, right? He loses everything he had. And in chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, he loses his children, guys. Everyone but his wife. And he said, naked I've come into my, uh, from my mother's womb, and naked will I return. Right? And then he goes on to say, uh, the Lord gave, the Lord's taken away. Then he says what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the midst of such a horrific trial, he was seeking to still rejoice in the Lord. And that's why Satan could not get him to curse him and commit suicide. Because he recognized the bigger picture. He didn't understand it. He didn't understand the whole picture. But he understood who was over the whole picture, sovereign. He understood that God was ultimately in control. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He focused on the Lord and still praised him and gave thanks to him. In all this, it says, the same, verse 22 says, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Wow. He had a great perspective. Oh, it got skewed at times, but then he came back around. His wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? The next chapter, chapter two, verses nine and 10. Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women who would speak. Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive Evil? Now, Satan brought the evil, but God allowed it. And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So guess what? He was recognizing both times a references he's looking at the Lord. The first time and the second. You have to look to the Lord during your trials. And you have to remember he's good and that God is incapable of doing evil because he is good. Amen? He's good. You know what? Uh, Job says all these wonderful things, you know, uh, and we'll get into that another time. But I'll tell you what. You know that word we get? That word that we studied? 
We looked at a few Greek words, but that really, the few that are connected. Charis means what? Grace. Kara means rejoice. Okay? Eucharisteo means thanksgiving, right? You know what word we get from eucharisteo? Eucharisteo, eucharisteo is the word we get Eucharist from. What's Eucharist from? That's the word that Jesus used, Eucharisteo, when he told them, when he had the Lord's Supper with them, to do this in remembrance of me, amen? Let me read what Jesus says, okay? I think it's very, very beautiful. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19, and Luke shows that there was two cups that he mentions, not just the one cup of redemption, he mentions the cup of thanksgiving, and it says, uh, okay, uh, in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, Jesus said to give thanks and to do this in remembrance of me. Okay, this, and it's interesting when he says give thanks, he uses eucharisteo, okay? And he took bread, gave eucharisteo, okay? Eucharisteo. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. Now, this is the crux of the whole gospel, man, is that Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. By the way, crux means cross in Latin. The crux of the entire, ex- our existence on earth is based on the cross and Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, amen? And his grace, the Eucharisteo, that we give thanks when we take communion. And it's interesting because the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians ten sixteen, is not this the cup of thanksgiving, Eucharisteo, for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ? okay. Is it not bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Wow. Brothers and sisters, we're going to do communion in a minute. But when you do communion, you give thanks. I should be burning in hell forever. But you came and took my wrath, and not just mine, my, everybody in the world, so we can have eternal life. I give thanks. I give you charis. I give you good thanks because of the good grace you've shown me and because you're so deserving, amen? And I can do this always because no matter what I go through, what you went through for me, the fact that I'll be with you in eternity, the fact that you're here with me, I can rejoice always because Jesus promised, by the way, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And since he's with you always at the end of the age, you can rejoice with him always and the Holy Spirit can give you his joy as you abide in the vine, amen? And you can bear much fruit to his glory because you're focused on the Lord. And people will look at you and say, wow, how come you have joy in the midst of this? What's going on? You can share with them the grace of God. But be a person of thanksgiving. Don't be a whiner and a complainer. Okay, and it's okay. You go through things. We all go through hurts. But find your way to Jesus through your hurts. Amen? And pray and cry out to him. He's patient with you. He loves you. This is something we just don't do overnight. Amen? So I want to encourage you. By way of application, choose to rejoice. Make a choice. Amen? Choose to rejoice always. Choose to pray. Choose to pray always. Refuse to worry. Amen? And make it your habit to give thanks. When you pray, I'm, I'm, I'm going to encourage you. Let your prayer life be modified. Pray as much as you can. Pray about everything. But make sure your prayers are filled with thanksgiving. It's, it's a good habit I do it often when I pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'll stop and say, thank you, because you're so good. I did that this morning with the Lord. You're holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
And man, you just start focusing on the Lord, and guess what? Whoa, why am I in such a good mood? Because <laughs> you're giving thanks, and the Lord's filling your heart, and the fruit of the Spirit's joy, amen? I want to encourage you in all that. We're going to pass out the cup and the bread, amen? Oh, wow, that was quick. See how fast, get the, smooth things go when you seek Jesus? 